Split Tube Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Have you read Stephen King's books? Books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. Movie a Stephen King movie. King. Movie a Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. <laughs> Jason, before we start, before we dive into Pet Cemetery, I uh-huh. these episodes have started going live. Um, obviously. <laughs> And, yes, <laughs> and uh, and people were reacting, and I got an email uh, this morning, an angry email from someone who listened to episode two, where we talk about okay. Salem slot. Uh, you got an angry yeah, email? because that's exciting. because we in that episode refer to Dracula's, and this person wanted me to know that that's not correct, and I want I just wanted to respond and say that I know that. The correct plural is obviously Dracula with an E at the end, but I'm not going to be the nerd who says it that way. I'm going to say Dracula's. It's not Dracula. No, it's Dracula. Dracula. No, no, it's not Greek in origin, no. so it wouldn't be. Unlike uh, Pegasus, which would be Pegasi, right? So if there were a bunch of yes, exactly, a bunch of Dracula yeah. on Pegasi swooping down toward the castle, I'm still not going to say it. Dra- I'm going to say Pegasus's. Yeah, Pegasus's. Get over it, nerds. Um, it could be Draxula. Oh, good. That's. I think that might be the technique, but you know, that's just it's because of these European transliterations. Yeah. Welcome back to the. We're nearing nearing the end of week two. Do you think if we, and if you sign, my brain is broken? If you signed off with "smell you later," would the would the correct pickup then be "smell come back"? <laughs> smell, smell come back <laughs> to smell to the king. Oh, are we still doing this? We are still doing this. This is day 13 of the longest October of my life. <laughs> Lucky 13. Booga, booga, booga. Um, That's scary. And <laughs> not not a not a Friday. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, that's a different movie series that yeah we're, that we're gonna every sequential <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth for the next year and a half <laughs> release an episode yeah. about a Friday the Thirteenth yeah Jason this movie <laughs> which movie <laughs> where are we who <laughs> the Pet Cemetery uh, they uh <sighs> yeah Pet Cemetery it's spelled with an Hi. S Jason. <laughs> It is. Jason, it's spelled with an S. Because... It is. So we know that kids made a graveyard? Is that why? Because kids are all dumb? Is that what it's I doing think, there? Yeah, because it's misspelled. It's like a funny... Because it's... It's like an inverse of that uh, Will Smith movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, where it's spelled <laughs> H-A-P-S. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. That's so immature. I thought it was way funnier. <laughs> that anyone else will. Can you imagine if Will Smith was in a movie where they spelled happiness H-A-P-E-N-I-S? <laughs> Imagining him going on like morning talk shows and talking really seriously about his new film. He's like, it's an important story about a man who loses everything and then finds it in happiness. <laughs> all the morning talk it's shows all, it's being all like, of oh, elaborate prank to get people it's to say interestingly, happy. huh? It's built. Happiness. Is there a reason? <laughs> and he's like, How yeah, would, you'll, yeah, you'll understand it once you watch the film. It's really, it's explained out in there. He sees the word penis <laughs> painted on a wall. <laughs> he writes ha next to it. <sighs> um. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> once again. <laughs> and the episode starts now. <laughs> Smell come back. <laughs> um, this is I really. This is me. Just I'm encouraging you because I don't. I, I any time spent thinking about this movie is so deeply upsetting to me. Is it because that, as a parent, is that why? Was this one yes, hard? This yeah. one seems like I can imagine how it would have been. I. It's nearly impossible to deal with. <laughs> uh, like I've I've seen this film before. Yeah. I'd seen it well before I became a parent, and it affected me then, sure. <laughs> like I, emotionally. Like I was an effectively uh, shocking and horrifying idea. Now it's I like I I almost couldn't bring myself to return <laughs> to it. All right. So I well I'll I'll do the whole episode then, Jason. Uh, good. I've yeah, been you told, do that. Jason. <laughs> That books and movies aren't the same uh, in terms of functionality. And so I'm assuming that the book doesn't open with a slow pan across a graveyard. But I am curious <laughs> if Stephen King wrote any of the epitaphs. on the. It starts with a pan across a graveyard of dead pets where I only wrote down one of what the things. They all had really dumb epitaphs, but one of them said, Biffer, Biffer, one hell of a sniffer. And I was like, that's the winner. Um... I'm curious if those were all <laughs> Stephen King or if someone on set made them up. That's just a question I have for the world. Um, we should have had my dad guest because he has read this book. Oh, yeah. Um, although he definitely wouldn't remember that. Yeah. Um, because he read it on a lot uh, of cocaine. Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, <laughs> um, he's read the book, but he hasn't seen the movie. So he would have been an interesting oh, talk. Oh, yeah. He goes, he's in bed by now. I'm so. sure. Do you think that Drew Barrymore turned down the role of the little girl in this movie? Do you think they were like, she's in all of the King movies now? <laughs> That's a good question. My guess is no, because I don't think this movie was a big enough production to get Drew Barrymore mm. at this point in time. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know a ton about how this one came to be made, but I don't think it was like a huge movie. Okay. Um, I think it was originally supposed to be a Romero movie. Oh. Um, but then he made Monkey Shines instead. Good for him. Uh, but it does, so it does end up being, uh, one of the few, if not the only, question mark, because I haven't checked, yeah. uh, film in this series to be directed by a woman. Whoa, really? 
Yeah, Mary Lambert. Okay. Um, and I'm just going to say right now, I think she does a good job. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good movie. I, I have very mixed feelings about it, but I... I, th- I, I think it has criticisms. I can. I mount. think it has script level big problems. <laughs> I think that's true. But I think on the direction level, I was impressed. Um, I I also think that for me, a big part of that was Fred Gwynn, who is a hero. Fred Gwynn is should be in everything, yeah. and he actually he had our first great main accent of. I think all of these movies. I don't remember anyone who's thrown down that a solid seems right. deep main accent yet. And and this movie is explicitly, oh, uh, Indian Burial Ground, again. There is a weird Stephen King native thing happening. But the fact that they specify that it's Micmac means that they are way deep in Maine. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's he's really doing it. I, uh, oh, there's yeah. He, a line he says near the beginning, uh, where, oh, where he goes, uh, fixed cat don't tend to Wanda. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. marry me, Fred Gwynn. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the let's let's do the let's do some of the problems first, because uh, if there's script level problems, they oh. are Stephen King script level. Oh, did problems. he write it? He this is another screenplay by Stephen King. Interesting. Um, and he also uh, now I have the Wikipedia open because I'm double checking what I what I thought <laughs> from before. It was supposed to be Romero. Okay. Uh, and it was Monkey Shines that he did instead. Um, the Stephen King script was ready to go. Oh, interesting. Oh, they threw it out? No, no, no. So this was made because of a writer's strike. Oh, that's why it's not well written. Um, <laughs> they were all striking. It was, well, so he, yeah, so nobody could do any writing on the set. <laughs> um, so, like, he wrote the script, mm-hmm. and the development executive in charge loved it but and then moved over to paramount pictures this is all according to wikipedia Mm -hmm. um but she was told that there was no more demand for stephen king movies which because there had been too many i think we were saturated at that point i mean i definitely feel saturated at this point (laughs) maybe that's (laughs) maybe whoever said that had was leading into greenlighting the movie watched all of his movies in a row and they were like that's enough (laughs) (laughs) one day at a time um because i definitely at this point like after i mean as much as i loved maximum overdrive and the running man Mm -hmm. like it's definitely been enough yes (laughs) like we could call it now i'd be okay (laughs) i mean i would probably come back and watch a few more in a while yeah but i'd watch some other things i haven't watched anything else that isn't stephen king yeah you need you need some time. So anyway, um, take a break. Guys. Apparently, the, so nobody wanted nobody wanted to let her make it. But then the Writers Guild went on strike, and it was one of the only scripts they had finished. <laughs> so they said, "Great, put it into production." That's amazing. Um, and then King had choice on director uh-huh. and met with and approved of Mary Lambert. Okay. Off the strength of what? Then off they went. Off the strength of uh, their meeting. Oh, I see. Had she directed other things? She had. um, Sorry, I'm just asking you to do more research that I could also. No, no, that's fine. I'm just clicking on Wikipedia now. This is this is just when (laughs) when we don't have that much to say or when we get too tired, it just becomes me reading from Wikipedia. (laughs) Well, I have a bunch of other stuff to. It's like oh no 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 I know. Um, She did rapid eye movements. It was a short. Okay. She did a TV documentary of the Go Go's Wild at the Greek. Sounds awesome. Video documentary of Bobby Brown. His prerogative sounds more awesome in 1989 than it does now. 
Correct. out. Um, and she did a film called Siesta with Ellen Barkin, Gabriel Byrne, and Jodie Foster. Okay. And Martin Sheen, Isabella Rossellini, Grace Jones. This looks. Why have we not watched that movie, Jason? I don't know. That sounds. I would like to watch it. Sounds like a movie that we would watch. And it's called Doctor Sleep. Mo- you said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> Siesta. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to find that. It looks really interesting. Yeah. Just based on the people who are in it and the poster. Yeah, that's enough. And, and the, the fact director. that I've never heard of it. She did a great job on this movie. The film's themes are sex and death. Mm, I don't know. Jazz Trump, jazz trumpeter Miles Davis performed on the score mm, for the film. Yeah, I don't know about that. That sounds pretty bad to me. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a movie. No. Um. Anyway, so Mary Lambert, I guess on the strength of that movie and her other work uh, was the studio's first pick. And then King was like, yeah, let's do it. And then she made this movie. And now here's the movie. Here it is. What were some of the script level problems? (laughs) Well, here's my, I mean, the ending, I feel like is uh, the path to get there. I thought was fine. But if I here's and maybe this is just a, a 2019, the world has changed thing. But if I were... If I were tasked with remaking... Have they, have they remade this movie yet? They just remade right. it. If I, two years ago, were the one tasked with remaking this movie, I would change the pacing hugely. I, I actually I have two separate pitches, Jason, for how I would do okay. it. Um, and they're very similar. Both of them have us... Uh, th- the place that you're at 70 minutes into this movie is where I would want to be 20 minutes into the movie. I, it's such a long path to having a child die and be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what the movie's about. Oh, sorry. Which is what the movie's about. Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't, that wasn't a correct... I was just adding that I on, tacking it well, on. It is what the movie's about, but it doesn't happen until near the end, and you basically know what's going to happen the whole movie. And so it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like his cat dies and the cat comes back to life, and then you're like, okay, so when is this kid going to die? And then I thought the older kid was going to die, but then the younger kid died. That was a surprise-ish. Um, yeah. But it's, and then, you know, it's, it's sort of like you wait for him to bury the kid. And it's, everything that happens is nice, but it's all, for me, I just want, I mean, you know me, I used to speed up pop songs to listen to them. Um, <laughs> if, if, and I want, I want it to happen. I want the kid to come back 20 to 25 minutes in. And then for me, I, and this is partially because of Fred Gwynn, uh, for me, the best version of the movie is the father bears the cat the cat comes back and is shitty as it is in this movie but is also very loyal to him and then the kid dies and then he brings the kid back and then the kid kills his wife and then it brings his wife back and then it's this sort of uh, obsessed maniacal man with a small army of zombies that love him uh and fred gwynn has to has to take care of the problem that he that he caused that's my favorite version <laughs> obviously the more poignant version is if the father has to has to then deal with all of these but either way i would want right. i would want three dead people or two dead people and a cat running around i would also get rid of one of the kids um 20 25 minutes in there and then have somebody i also with it could also end with fred gwynn just joining them and painting his face like he's a dead body pretending to be a dead guy and naming his, changing his name to herman mm, per, and, it's a and they all live in a house together to the <laughs> yeah um the other thing just in just in general with this movie so i'm just gonna blast through it's that that's what happens uh he brings back a kid a, a cat and a wife um and then, and at the end, he, you know, he like maniacally brings his wife back to life, and then she kills him, which is, which to me felt like a big sort of cop out ending because I thought it was going to be about him 
having to then re-kill people he loves, which is super brutal, right? That's yeah. that's the brutal part of the movie. Uh, and yeah. then deal with the fact that everyone who's left in the world thinks he just snapped and murdered his wife and children and cat. Yeah. You know, that's that's of the super bleak ending. But in this, he just dies at the end. And you're like, oh, everybody yeah, wins. Yeah, so... The the original ending wouldn't have probably satisfied you either, but Lambert and King both wanted an ending that was more ambiguous, where, like, it basically just sort of leaves it on a spooky, sad note where he's just waiting for her to come back, and she's coming back, and then it just sort of ends. Yeah, that'll, that just feels incomplete. you not really knowing what's going to happen, and the studio was like, no, it's got to be a monster, and it's got to be a kill. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they just picked the wrong kill. I mean, emotionally speaking, I could see the other one yeah. working only because for me, yeah, it it is on the one hand, like, absolutely, if the film's about him having to re-kill people that he loves, that is brutal. Yeah. But it's also just, it's brutal enough to me to have it be about wanting these people to come back so much that you like he the act of violence mm-hmm. that he's committing is already is bringing them yeah. back so you want them to come back so much and you're so full of hope that it works and then to have to face up to the fact that it's horrible yeah and it's your fault is brutal enough sure um but yeah see, it, and see for I, me that I, I would could be stronger. i also see what you mean for me that would be stronger if they came back as themselves but but in pain you know yeah but as it is they come back as just their body imbued with the spirit of some kind of ancient thing yeah which then who cares you know what i mean that person like his wife is still dead she's not yeah feeling anything because of it it's just him i don't know it's fine no well and it is it all it is all just him it i mean like that's that's where the that's where the the pain is in it it's in his loss and his uh like when I say that they come back and it's horrible, yeah. it's for it's like, him. Yeah, but imagine it's how much more horrible him. it would be for him if they came back and they were like, "Why did you do this to me?" Yes, I think that's way stronger. Yeah. I, there, there's a lot of ways you could definitely make this stronger. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I, I was more the first time I saw it, I was shocked that it was as good as it is. And, and I'm not trying to say it's bad. I'm just trying to say yeah. how I would fix it. I really, <laughs> totally. I really, oh, I enjoyed no, no, it the whole time. I think it's beautiful. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a... I think in the scope of these King movies, I it's definitely on the good end uh, by, by a shot. Um, yeah. But even in general, I felt like it was a solid movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, um, I do think it is insane and inexcusable for Fred Gwynn to tell this guy about this place where you can bring people back to life or things back to life, knowing that they come back as horrible monsters. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very strange choice. Yeah, he's seen it happen multiple times to animals and people and is like, yeah, let's just do it again. <laughs> um, Which is why at that point in the movie, I was like, oh, this is going to turn into Fred Gwynn having to solve this problem that he caused because he, he for eight minutes between doing it and dying, he's, he's like, oh, why? You know what I mean? He has, yeah. he has a brief, really lovely moment of being like, why would I have done that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I also just, for me, the the most joyful remake is, you know, an 80-year-old deep main guy in plaid and layers walking around with a shotgun being like, ah, I gotta take care of this problem I done caused <laughs> yeah. out here in the woods. 
Sure, and the dead gotta stay dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that movie to me sounds like a blast. It, no, it does. I mean, there's a lot of... There's definitely a... There is sort of the weird thing about this movie, though. Like, to to turn it into, I hope, some kind of observation about, <laughs> about this movie. Yeah. I, I'm just having a hard time finding my way into this thing. Yeah. But it it is... And maybe it's partially because, like I said, they couldn't do rewrites on set. Yeah. And the studio definitely wanted something from it that wasn't what Lambert wanted from it exactly. Sure. But it does feel like it is between tones yes. in an unfortunate way. And I think that's exemplified by the soundtrack. Sure. So, like, it's a it's a movie... If you're going to make a really effective, poignant movie about a father's grief mm-hmm. and the, like, metaphysical questions about life and death, yes. I would recommend that the theme song not <laughs> be by the Ramones. <laughs> yeah. But instead, the theme song is by the Ramones, yes. and it's a great, fun song. It is super catchy. It sets you up for a very wrong tone. I feel like the movie that that song is the theme song to would be super fun. Yeah. Well, because it would be rock and, and roll high school. should also be made. <laughs> but about pet cemeteries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I just, yeah. They, they got a theme, They got the wrong theme song to the wrong pet cemetery. Yeah. It is, um, I would say it feels, it's a worth a watch, this movie, but it is... It lives in a space where if you pushed it in any direction, it would be stronger. You know? Yeah. And it's not bad yeah, as yeah, it yeah. is, but it's just... No, it's, I, I it's think resting it's... resting in between several more comfortable places. It's a movie that never quite transcends the sum of its parts. Yes, agreed. You know what I mean? Like, it has some remarkably well-made scenes. Absolutely. But it doesn't cohere in the way that it should. Again, probably because... Of the conflicting desires of the different parties involved in making it. That makes it. sense, yeah. Um, although, I'm looking at this now, and the song was Lambert's idea. <laughs> because the other thing that she did that I didn't see on her other pages is that she was a big music video director. Oh, that makes sense. So she directed videos for Madonna, and she was friends with the Ramones. Okay. And so, I maybe, maybe it was just... I mean, maybe it's just one of those... Here, here's the thing. Thing me. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to look at it from, from this other angle. That say this was a movie that you and I made. Got it. In which we created characters that we were definitely very emotionally attached to. Yes. And took them through the paces that we thought that they needed to go through. Yes. But we also felt like a, uh, like stupid music <laughs> would <laughs> fit it somehow. Sure. I, like I could see, I I I'm trying I'm trying to be generous here. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we would make this exact mismatch, and I no. think there would be other aspects to the film that would probably also be stupid in a way that would like sure. mix in with some of those choices. Um, but I I maybe it's like it's actually the tonal mix is what Lambert and King what they want wanted. maybe, and that's and we're just not vibrating to it that could be i've certainly been guilty of mixing tones before um and i think that like i said i think this movie works fine but it does i think i think the thing is that usually when you see a movie that's sort of 
a blended tone. Either they work together and it's good, or they don't and it's not great. But in this one, yeah. in this one, they blend all right and it's fine. But they, but both of those angles that they're blending together seem like they could be so strong individually. And I think that's that's what you don't usually see in a blended tone situation. Is yeah. You're like, oh, if I ex- extracted one of these, it would just be worse. But in this yeah. in this situation, if you spun this off, like uh. What is it in um, uh, uh, Strange Brew, you know, when he touches that arcade machine and splits into two different, like a red guy and <laughs> yeah. a blue guy? If you could rip this <laughs> yeah. into, like, the red movie and the blue movie, and the blue movie yeah. was this super dark, sad movie about a man dealing with trauma, and the red movie was a super fun romp with uh, an old Mainer in the woods with a shotgun, like, both of those movies... Mm-hmm are better than this movie i think yeah um if you know if they're if they're no i i I think you're right and i think that even even if the tonal mix is intentional which i don't i i think that it's i would believe that it is because stephen king is uh, is a nut nut he's a total nut he is a total fucking uh yeah i that um but like even i i feel like it's intentional maybe in a way that certainly doesn't come across in the way they want it to. Sure. I don't know. But there's also, they, so at the beginning of the movie, Fred Gwynn's like, ah, there's a lot of traffic on this highway. And then we see one truck drive up and down that highway 15 times. It's always the same red semi mm-hmm. number 666 every single time. And yeah. it switches drivers after the first driver murders a child. But it's just, it's it's one truck constantly. And that, <laughs> yeah. that's... A choice, you know. That's yeah. It is that a choice. Says something. I don't know what, but it means something. No, that that is a choice. It's also a choice to to have the like the pet cemetery itself is de, it, the the set design on that yeah. is ornate in a way that can read as kind of tongue in cheek. It does. It does feel like a like a tongue in cheek kind of fun space. But it's also the, the, they do the. the the flashback story about the guy coming back from war yeah. is so brutal. Yes. <laughs> like it, it, this movie does, it does really, I, so I'm, I'm kind of maybe reconsidering it does jump tonally all over the place. Yes. And I think you might be right that I think we would like it better if it chose one and stuck to it or, or honestly, if it just raised the contrast a little bit more. Sure. So like, kind of commit to the clashing of tones yeah in in a in slightly stronger way because what it does feel like is they're mixing tones but they're not totally committing to each one all the time yeah i agree with that i agree with that there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area that is just somewhere between those two tones and if they were like every scene every moment every character choice every piece of set dressing is either wacky goof time or super sad dad then you'd be like great this movie is very strong they made two really strong choices yeah like the one the one place where i feel like the tone mixture works at least for me Mm -hmm. really well is when the resurrected kid is dressed up like the painting Yes. Because that shot is so weird and goofy and funny, but in such a way as to make it so fucking creepy. Agreed. Agreed. And like that's that perfect space where, yeah, where like that, the laughter reaction and the reaction mix that like dread comedy space. Then like that's where it felt like maybe the rest of the film was trying 
to get sometimes, mm-hmm. but there wasn't like a strong enough commitment. Yeah. Like they really commit to some of the dark scenes, but that they don't totally commit to the other stuff. It's just sort of kind of there, but then not really. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, yeah, like a stronger, a, a more committed choice would have pushed you through. I agree. Um, Can we, there's a whole, sorry, I'm just jumping ship right now. There's a whole other thread no, that's fine. that we haven't even touched, which is that there's a ghost of a dead guy who wants to help everyone because the dad is a doctor who failed to save his life, but like wanted to, and that's enough. So this ghost just, <laughs> so at first I thought that the older yeah. daughter was a psychic and I was like, ka-ching, a psychic tally. Uh, <laughs> but then he starts appearing to everybody. So I guess she's not, but it's hard to tell. Uh, because she also, I felt like she saw him in a deeper way than everyone else did. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna sk- keep that tick in my psychic column. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel comfortable at this point in time uh, expanding your psychic prediction mm-hmm. to include that kind of like Neck borderline psychic yeah. supernatural being phenomena. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it, I think it hits to me at least. It hits the same. Yes, it um, plays the same role. Pleasure center. Yes, yeah. Like whether it's you know according to Hoyle ESP or it is just the existence of a goat, like a helpful ghost right. that can appear or not. Like I'm, I'm fine with yeah. that sort of covering the same general uh, effect. Yeah, and that ghost, I feel like, is a strong example of the wacky end of this movie not fully committing. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like weird and dumb, yeah. and never fulfills his his weird dumb potential. He's just kind of there, yeah. and he's fine. Yeah, but that is a thing that happens that I forgot about until just now in our in our discussion. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've forgotten about that too. Yeah, because it's such a non. I, it's not related. It's not part of the movie. It's just a thing that happens. It's. I mean, because I, I, on the one hand, I kind of like that. Yeah. Like, I like that it's there and then just kind of, you know, yeah. doesn't get... I like setups without payoffs if the setup is that kind of mysterious and intriguing. Agreed. Um, but it could have been... Uh, yeah, I, I think it could have been committed to yeah. uh, more. Uh, and then at the very... The last time we see that ghost, he rides off in in that semi-truck that I think is the devil, right? So it's... I assume mm-hmm. that that means he's, he's like, well, I've done all I can. I gotta go to hell now. <laughs> which is nice yeah i'm trying to remember exactly what we see um because it's just after he for some reason makes the mom smash her car into a tree and then she gets yeah. picked up by by the devil truck yeah the mom uh played by denise crosby uh i think you mean tasha yar <laughs> i just always I'm, I'm always happy to see her doing other work yeah right um yeah, I don't know. I I went into this feeling like I was going to have more to say about this movie, mm-hmm. but it just... It's just so in the middle. It, yeah, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. It's good. I'd and say it, watch it. It's, it's, it's yeah, the like fifth I, and Stephen like, King I would watch movie it again. we've seen with a slimy pet. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slimy pets are good. Yeah. I, again, like, I would watch it again, not right this minute, but sure. like, I'll watch this movie another time yeah. when my child is grown. Uh, <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, ha... <laughs> 
<laughs> and it, but, but here's the thing: like this is a way better movie than Cujo. Oh, but yeah, I the the visceral reaction I have to them is the same, which is how sure. I can tell it has it's nothing to do yeah. with the movie. It's just about me and the subject matter. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So it's like Cujo, you know, is incompetent garbage, but I was hyperventilating, <laughs> and this is a, for the most part it's intelligent, decent, well yeah. done movie, and it's the same reaction. <laughs> so. Um, I'm excited to put this one behind us yeah. and go on to other Stephen King movies yeah. where children are in danger. Yeah. Because there's so many. He loves kids and danger. Well, I, I think it really is. I mean, with somebody like Stephen King who writes so much, mm-hmm. it's just going to become like his, he writes the things he feels. Yeah. And the things he feels are pretty standard of like, I have a family. Yeah. The most horrible thing I can think of is something happening to my family. Yeah. And of course, because it's also Stephen King, uh, as we've discussed in earlier, yeah, yeah, it's usually the husband's fault, yeah, or like the horrible thing is something to do with his guilt or his going insane or his being absent. Has he? Uh, Has he in his later years? Has he written a movie where there's a happy family and then he Stephen King shows up at their house and ruins their lives? Um, I don't know for sure. Okay. Uh, Secret Window might be kind of about that. (laughs) If he hasn't, can we write one? Yes. (laughs) Write a novel about Stephen King ruining a family? (laughs) Hell from the King. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we should do that. Okay, good. All right. Uh, let's, let's... Get out of here. Bury, (laughs) let's, let's bury bury this this child of ours (laughs) in, in a cemetery where it will return. Okay. Uh, as a podcast <laughs> as a podcast for your ears exactly <laughs> oh uh, okay okay we got it's only 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 18 more days <laughs> uh, eight, eight, 18 more days 18 more days wouldn't be so bad if it weren't also movies? 20 movies yeah yeah um, that's the rough part and at least two of those movies are four-hour miniseries. Good work, us. Yeah. Good decision-making. They're making great choices all over the place. Uh, we really can't judge the guy in this movie at all. His decisions were made in <laughs> out of out of immediate sadness and grief and true. desperation. Ours were made just because we're morons. <laughs> true. We're just dumb people. We're just, decisions. yeah. Of dumb this whole podcast man. is what Roger Ebert used to call an idiot plot. <laughs> the plot that only works if everybody involved is a complete <laughs> idiot. <laughs> This has been the 13th day of our descent into madness. Join us tomorrow for another fucking movie. Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded live before a studio audience of seventh sons born to seventh sons on a night when the moon is full yet not visible to the human eye. Pretzels provided. BYOB. Lucky 13. Booga, booga, booga. Um, <laughs> Is that scary?
Sinistrisa. Sinistrisa.